Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. You know, this is, uh, this is kind of a sweet moment because when I first came to our church, I couldn't pray out loud. I couldn't really speak uh, my mind, my thoughts. I was kind of embarrassed, shy, introverted. And, and so um, every time I have the opportunity to stand up here and, and preach a message, I know and I'm reminded of God's goodness. Um, the thing that I need to do though, I would be remiss if I didn't honor Pastor John and Becky, our central region um, campus pa region pastors. Um, I am a son of Awakened Church, AKA I'm a son of C3. This is the only church that I have ever known. This is where I came and gave my life to Christ. And, and so, I, like I said, I am a son of Awakened, but my tribe is Central Region. Um, we've lived in East County when there was an East County campus. We've lived in North County now where there's a North County campus. But we still make the drive down here because I love Pastor John and Becky uh, and sitting under them so much. Um, I don't take it lightly, like I said, to be up here. And so we're in the sermon, sermon series, Truth Bumps. And so today I just want to share some truth with you. And I mean, it's the 4th of July weekend, and so I feel like I need to share that, the truth that you are free. I know that there's been people that tell you you're not free, but you are actually free. <laughs> Freedom is an unalienable right that our forefathers fought for. And the beautiful thing about the United States is there's never been a freer nation. We are an example for every other nation to follow. People say, I wanna be like the United States. People say, I want laws like the United States. But we're a beacon, the red, white, and blue, the, the, our flag, people look at that and they're like, that's freedom. But when I think of like freedom and I think about being a beacon of hope for the rest of the world, I think about the Statue of Liberty. Like I think about the Statue of Liberty because for many migrants, for many immigrants, that's the first thing they saw. Like they sold everything in a foreign country for a chance because they heard about a place. They heard about a place where ah, there's not gonna be these insane wars. They heard about a place where my rights are not gonna be taken from me. They heard about a place where I can speak about freedom and speak about religion without fear of persecution. So they sell everything and they hop on a boat, unclean. Boat, boat hygiene is weird. Like I couldn't be on a boat for months of people. I'm just, I'm good. But they sell everything and they hop on a boat and now they've traveled across the Atlantic and, and, and in the distance they're starting to see a torch in the sky. They're starting to see it. And so the place that they were heard about, now they're close to it. And that's what we are for the rest of the world. Like I like to put myself in that position. Like can you imagine like it's foggy. You've been on this boat and there's seagulls going off and, and off in the distance you're starting to see the light. You're starting to think like, yo, I made the right decision. Like I know everybody told me I was crazy for hopping on this boat and believing for something more, but I've made the right decision because now I'm close enough to see it. And then you see off in the distance, the Statue of Liberty, you see it, it like the Statue of Liberty is a beautiful piece of art, seven wonders of the world. It's amazing. And on our crown, it's, it's beautiful because there's seven spikes on the crown. The seven spikes are for the seven seas and the seven continents. That means that the United States is supposed to be a beacon of hope for everyone else. 
and then there's 25 windows. People are like, well, why are there 25 windows? There are 25 windows to represent the amount of gemstones that are here on earth. To mean that the United States of America was supposed to be a financial beacon of hope for the world. And then you go down and she's holding a, she's holding a pad. And on the pad it says July 4, 1776. The day that we became a nation. The way that we declared our independence. And you go down farther on the statue and around her ankles there's broken chains that says, in this land, that you don't have to deal with oppression. In this land, there's freedom. So the rest of the world looks at us and they're like, yes and amen. They look at the United States as, an, as, as, as something to be strived for, to be longed for. And even on the, there's a poem on the Statue of Liberty that states, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Say breathe free. Breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send those homeless, timeless to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Golden door, a door is a portal. The door that they were, they're hoping for is the door to freedom. Yeah. And so today I want to just talk about freedom. Yeah. But I want to talk about freedom that like we don't think about. Today it's Independence Day weekend and this is great. Like I see a lot of American flags and, and we have physical freedom. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'll show you guys a picture of my family real quick. I love, I love America so much that, like, I had to marry a woman named Glory. And I had to name my kids Freedom and Justice. Like the national anthem, the national anthem, it brings tears to my eyes. It does. Because I know that that costs somebody something. I, like John Soriano and many others in here, serve in the military. And so there's, there's something different when you fought for something. And I, I love that freedom. Yeah. It's grand. It's beautiful. Physical freedom. It's great. Soldiers and, and military members, they shed blood for that freedom. But that's physical freedom. Let's talk about spiritual freedom. Spiritual freedom was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a little different. It's a little different when you start talking about spiritual freedom. What is spiritual freedom? What does that look like? For many, we don't know what it looks like. For many of us, we've grown up in religious organizations and religious homes where we didn't actually understand that God didn't hate us. Like that I had to do so many works and things to get into heaven. We like thought like I have to do these things for God to accept me. That's worldly. That's man-made. And now what's happened in the world is we have, we have perverted what freedom is. Like we perverted the fact that, like, yes, you are free, but now we're getting to the point where we're uh, sex changes and love is love and all these freedoms that, that the, the United States was not founded on that. We've looked, for, we've looked for freedom in all kinds of ways, self-gratification. We've looked for freedom in, in drugs and alcohol and entertainment and the government. We've all, oh, well, the, the government can tell me when I'm free. no. We looked at for freedom and false religion, our own truths. That's where we got lost. We started looking at our own truths. What I, oh, well, this is my truth. No, that's a lie that you're just telling yourself. The title of my message this morning is to be or not to be free. I want to tell you this morning that freedom is a choice. 
Spiritual freedom is a choice that we have to make on a daily basis. Because you can be physically free and not operate spiritually free. Is what we see all the time. But like, what do you think about when you think about freedom? Like, are you thinking about like this weekend, it's 4th of July, it's amazing, it's beautiful, great, hot dogs and hamburgers and boat rides and fireworks? That stuff's great. I mean, I, it is an enjoyable moment. But that's just physical freedom. That has nothing to do with the heart of a person. That has nothing to do with like our very soul, our very being. Where am I lined up in eternity? What does freedom look like when you find it? I'm going to tell you it comes with joy. It comes with glory. That's not a pun because of my wife's name. It comes with, it comes with happiness. Freedom is unbinding. Freedom is love. Where you can feel and experience love. When you can give love, show love. That's spiritual freedom. The problem is not, a lot of us haven't experienced this. Spiritual freedom. Real freedom. In Galatians 5.1 it states, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery. A yoke is a wooden dowel that they tie two animals together. It's binding. And so right here, Paul is not talking about actual binding us together. He's talking about anything that restricts us from being who we're called to be and who God and who Jesus has paid the price for us to be. It's actually everything that we see in the Old Testament is actually a picture of what's going to happen in the New Testament. It was physical in the Old Testament. It's spiritual in the New Testament. What Paul is saying is that we should never be chained again. We should never be roped to anything. We should never be roped to any structure again. Once we say, Jesus, I believe you're my Lord and Savior, he's saying, you ain't got to deal with that anymore. He's saying, you ain't, listen, I know before you accepted me, you used to deal with some things, but listen, that's not you anymore. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that if I come to the cross, come to the cross or come to the, come to the altar and say, God, Jesus, listen, um, I've done all these things. I, I'm, I'm here now, and I want to be set free, and I believe you're my Lord and Savior. Like, we ain't got to deal with that no more. In Scripture term, the yoke is often a metaphor for bondage of God's people endured. This is the bondage they talk about in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. When they're reminded, the Israelites are reminded, like, listen, I brought you out of Egypt I brought you out of physical bondage. You should accept the fact that if I can do that, I can bring you out of spiritual bondage. I can bring you up out of depression. I can bring you up out of mental illness. I can bring you out of confusion. In the New Testament, the, the yoke he's talking about, the yoke he's talking about is the bondage of God's people. And what do I mean by bondage? People, I'm not talking about um, physical bondage. I'm talking about like spiritually, like where's your head at? Where is your head at when you read the Bible? God's saying like, yo, we need to get you free. And you need to stay free. Like Jesus came and he laid the the path for for the foundation for Christianity, for freedom. When he died on the cross. He did that so, like, you don't have to deal with bondage anymore. The thing is, we, we, we have turned religion into, or we have turned Christianity or we have turned a relationship with Christ into religion. 
And because of that, we don't stay free. Because what we do is we try to do works to maintain freedom, and that's not it. You maintain freedom through a relationship. You cannot work your way into heaven. Because of Christ, the old way of living is gone, avoiding penalties of sin by living in accordance with God's law. Listen to me. The reason promise keepers didn't work is because the very first thing we did was break a promise. Promise keepers ministry, we cannot keep promises. In the garden, God said, yo, you promise not to eat that, don't eat that apple. First thing we did was, I'm going to eat that apple. That's why Promise Keepers doesn't work, because you would go there and you would make this list of things you're never going to do again, and what would happen? You would do those things again immediately. That's religion. Religion is, I'm never going to do this again. Relationship is, I messed up. I made every attempt not to mess up. I made every attempt to live while they're saying, but listen, I fell short. The freedom we have in Christ it's to live in faith and to put our hope and trust in God. It's to put Jesus before us in every decision we make. It's to be able to run to the cross and say, yo, I missed the mark here. But there are three ways to stay in freedom. The three ways to live here in this place. And so I'm going to go through three points. Can I teach a little bit and do some practical app and some take home, a little assignment to take home? The first way to stay to living in freedom is we keep our freedom through our relationship with Christ. Proverbs 18, 24 says, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is all about a relationship. And sometimes that relationship with Jesus is dysfunctional. Not because he did something wrong, but because we've done something wrong. But even in a dysfunctional relationship, he's like, when are you coming back? When are we going to right this wrong? When are we, we going to have this union come back together? But the problem is that we, so many people, have turned our relationship with Christ into religion. And I, I'm, I mean, I was guilty of it too. Can we show the picture of my seminary graduation? So that's me and all of our pastors. Um, and so, yes, I went to seminary. And I graduated seminary. I want to tell you that everything that I learned at seminary was not godly. And everything that's taught, everything that's taught there is not biblical. The difference between a relationship and, and religion is, religion is very different because what happens in religion is man-made. Religion is man's, ma- man's way of trying to, uh, trying to attach itself to God. But the, here's the thing, religion never works without relationship. It never does. It's all about rules and regulation. All man-made religions are based on people and people's effort. But the problem with religion is a lot of times relationships with Christ are perverted. How many things have been done wrong in the world? How many things have been done wrong in the world because it was religious? That's why when somebody's like, you're a religious man, I'm like, no. Negative. I believe in God, but I am not religious. Because when you cross that line, you start falling into a trap. And a lot of us here, and I'm going to just talk for a second. A lot of us fall into this issue with religion because we don't actually think that we deserve freedom. 
And so if I can fall into a, if I can fall in somewhere where if my works are glorified, if I always look like I got it together, if I, if I never show any weakness, the church brethren will accept me. That's how we fall into cults. The thing that we're looking at, though, from, from I've dealt with this myself. Personally, I've dealt with it. I, I went to seminary, and I was kind of religious. Like, I didn't believe women should speak in church. Like, I would get up when, you know, I kind of felt a little icky when, you know, Pastor Becky or Pastor Leanne was preaching. And maybe those Sundays, football was a little bit more important. That's a religious spirit. A religious spirit is misogynistic, too, by the way. That wasn't in my notes. That's a freebie. That's a freebie. But we get in this cycle of religion. And I love everyone. I do. I love Catholics. I love Seventh-day Adventists. I love everybody. I love Mormons. I love people. But we have twisted how things should work. For instance, I love the Catholic Church. I love the Catholic Church because you guys are consistent. People are consistent. That's what we do. We're Catholic. That's what we do. The thing that I don't understand is that if I have a relationship with Christ... Like, I don't need a middleman. Like, I don't need a middleman. Like, my relationship with Christ says, like, I can just go, Jesus, I messed up. I don't need to go into a closet with a priest and have my sins absolved. And, I, and, and, and listen, I love, I love Catholics. I do love them. But Jesus tore the veil so I can just talk to him. You guys ever played the game telephone? That's another reason why I don't want to tell a priest my sins. Because I need to make sure what I tell him gets right to God. Like I need it to be, like you got that big dog, right? Like I need it to be, I'm all sins, all sins? Yeah, we're good, you, you covered that one too. You covered the argument with my wife, you covered this one, you covered that, okay, cool, go. I just need to make sure it, the same thing that God hears is what I said. New Testament, God's plan is people's Love and relationship with Christ. And so I have a chart. That I want to show you what the difference between religion and relationship is. I'm normally not a chart person, but for the sake of this, we're going to talk about it. Religion, salvation through Jesus Christ in a personal relationship. The goal is to truly, truly trust Jesus, then live to please him. By the means of confessing our sins and repent and yield ourselves to Jesus. The power that we, this derived from is the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit working through us. Because I would tell you all the things that Pastor John has said and, and done, and, and I'm this great business owner and everything, that's all the Holy Spirit working through me because I'm not that smart. The control is to allow the Holy Spirit to control and direct our lives. The thing that we get this part wrong because we don't like the Holy Spirit to control our lives. Every time that I've been like, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, please just hop in the back seat. I don't want to do, like, I get in a car wreck. Not a literal car wreck, but there's a, there's a, there, there is a wreck coming. Every time he's like, don't do this, don't do this. And I'm like, noise canceling headphones. I don't, I don't hear you, Holy Spirit. I don't hear you, Holy Spirit. I wrecked Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. Um, can you help me? But the results from that are love, joy, peace, freedom, victory, and eternal life. For those of you who don't know, eternal life is a long time. 
like forever. Like Sandlot fans, forever. Like it's going to happen. Like I don't want to get to the end of this life and be like, oh, I, I got in the wrong line. Because <laughs> there's no fast pass. This ain't Disneyland. Religion, the goal, the goal is to reach out to God and try to work your way into heaven. It means diligent services and work with hope of rewards in heaven. Hope. The power is good and honest, hard work. Like, there's a lot of religious people who think they're doing great. And they're doing it to, to the most of the world. It would look like they're doing great, but there's no relationship there. The control is self-motivation, self-control. God, watch me. Look at me. I'm the shining star over here. Woo. Like, look what I can do. Look what I've done in your name. And the results are apathy, failure, chronic guilt, eternal separation from God. You know, obviously, I told you guys I went to seminary. You saw it. I got in a lot of trouble in seminary. <laughs> like, a lot. But I got in a lot of trouble because what I found once I got there is that it was super religious. Yeah. Like, super hellfire and brimstone, condemning. And, you know, and I was like, I don't really like this. So I would go to Pastor John and be like, Pastor John, they said this. That's not what Awaken says. Who's right? And he said, what does the Bible say? And we were right. Because what would happen in seminary was we were reading professors' books. It was their interpretation of what the Bible said, not what the Bible actually said. And so I would go there, and I'm, I'm naturally kind of aggro a little bit. Like, I'm going to say things just to get under your skin. If I, know, if I know you're wrong and you won't accept the fact you're wrong, I'm going to say things just to agitate you. Like, it's just the way it is. Like, I know I lost that argument like 20 minutes ago, and now I'm just trying to get on your nerves. Like, it's just who I am. Like, I'm going to beat this dead horse. And so we would sit in class, and we would, like, argue scripture. They're doing it through, and, and not everybody over there is terrible. Not, like, I love them. But they would argue scripture with me through a religious lens. Like, we would argue about things, like, one of the things was, should women speak in church? And then one day, there was, like, poof, a revelation. Oh, uh, that scripture that they were reading is uh, for a certain time and place. And, uh, yes, women should be able to speak. On, I'm sorry. Uh, I never told anybody about that other than um, my wife. But, yeah. But, like, I had a problem with women speaking. And I had, you know, all these religious ideals because I honestly thought that I had to be super religious in order to be accepted. Because I actually didn't think that I deserved freedom. Like, I didn't think that there's a God in heaven that doesn't love me if I don't work my tail off. And I'm not saying your hard work doesn't matter. It does matter. Like, God did not just give me the patriot group and say, here it is, the multi-million dollar business, that a boy. Like, he gave me an idea. He gave me a vision for it. And then he said, now, let's go. And so that's like, that's how it happens. And so religious people, if we go back to the Statue of Liberty, there's probably a lot of religious people on the other side. Like, I know there's this place of great freedom. I know there's a chance here, but that can never be my life. I can never be free. I can never get on that boat and go to a place that there might be better for me. And that's what religion is. Religion is a lot of times saying, ah, there's, there's not any more than this, so I just have to go through the, the steps. I have to go through the motions. And so we would sit in class and argue exegesis and hermeneutical information. and all. Your dad, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
she's uh, related to one of my um, instructors. <laughs> I loved him though. Loved him. So good. He was. Dr. Curtis Group was one of my favorite people. <laughs> uh, and so I would sit there and we would argue about all kinds of stuff. We would argue about these different topics. And what I found out is it's all religion and had nothing to do with relationship. Yeah. It's like we argued about tithing, but if you have a relationship with Christ, you know you're supposed to tithe. Right. But a religious person will say something like, does it really say that? Does it really say that over here you're supposed to tithe? Does it say that in the New Testament? Or we would argue about things like, what did the cross look like? The cross didn't matter. Like what the cross looked like didn't matter. The cross obviously mattered. But what the cross looked like, was it an X? Was it tall? Was it short? It doesn't matter. It's all about what happened on the cross. It's the action behind it. It's the action behind, like, I'm going to go up here and die on this cross for your sins. It's like the same thing. I used to get upset with my wife for not wearing her wedding ring. Like, good, I, I get upset like she's not wearing a ring. But just the fact that she didn't have a ring doesn't stop the action we did. It doesn't stop the relationship. It doesn't stop what we decided to do when we came together as one. It doesn't stop anything. And so we argue over these trivial things. And I found out recently, most of the people I went to seminary with are no longer in ministry. They've left ministry as a whole because they had this insane amount of religion, insane amount of information with no relationship, and it causes burnout. Because a relationship is how we get restored and refreshed and renewed. So I've talked about a lot about relationships. But how do you build a relationship with Christ? Like, what does that look like? It begins with humbly putting your trust in Jesus. Like, do you trust who he says he is? Do you trust that he has your best interest at heart? Do you trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do? And for some, do you trust who he is? For some people in like the Islam, Islamic world, they think he was just a prophet. Do you like trust that he was the son of God? Do you trust that he did, his actions were for you? Do you trust what he accomplished on the cross? Do you trust it? Or is it cool for TV? Is it cool for Easter? Trust what he has said to you, both through scripture and, in his, and vocally or non-vocally. Like, trust the things he says. How do you know what his voice sounds like? Start listening. That's the one thing. Pastor John and I have had a lot of difficult conversation over the years. The one compliment he's given me is, Jeff, you listen. Listen. Don't listen to respond. Just listen to hear. Like, what does his voice sound like to you? Because a lot of people I talk to, like, God's never talked to me. I'm like, are you sure? Have you ever been in a quiet enough place to hear? I'm talking that uncomfortable silence where it's like, yo, it's just got to be God and I. Like, have you ever done that? Or are we so caught up in, in works and acts and I am here to serve. And so I'm never actually, I never established a relationship because I believe that my works are getting me through where I need to be. <laughs> Communication is, a simp- is essential in this relationship. Yeah. Jesus already knows, but he wants to hear it from you. Yeah. All the wives say, hey. hey. Communication is essential in all relationships. Yeah. That's a freebie too, men. 
take a little time, just talk. Just talk to Jesus and see what, see what happens. And the biggest one is just trust and obey. Trust and obey. Because he's going to, listen, if you start praying, he's going to start speaking. If you, if you start praying, you're going to start seeing signs, miracles, and wonders. If you start praying, he's going to communicate with you effectively in a way that you can receive it. Because some people, when they're telling me that God spoke to them, they say things that are way too complicated. And I'm like, are you sure? I have a hard time trusting. That's a big one for me. The last one, trust and obey. I have a hard time trusting because I'm like, God, will you move faster? <laughs> like, God, I'm at the finish line, but I can't step over this finish line until you get here. Can you fiery chariot? Like, come on. <laughs> Please. Like, you are the author and the creator of the universe. You are the guy. Like, come on. But so, like, what's happening now? My patience is being refined. And I hate it. It's a joke. Hate is such a strong word. I strongly dislike it. <laughs> the second way we stay free is by understanding the word of God. Yeah. This is the second point. Understanding the word of God. That means you have to read it. Yeah. But the we've turned reading the word of God into like a religious act. Yeah. Like we read the Bible just to say we read our verse this morning and we posted on Instagram. Yeah. But are you reading the Bible to like digest what it's saying? Are you reading the Bible to, like, get it down in your soul? Are you reading the Bible to, like, get it in your spirit? And are you reading the Bible for it to, like, transform your life? Or is it a religious act? People are like, three verses a day keeps the devil away. <laughs> here's, how I, here's how you'll know you're reading the Bible for, like, transformation and not just a religious act. You'll get lost in the word. You'll get lost in time. You'll get lost in a place. You'll get lost in a season. And you, you'll wake up. 35, 45, an hour later, because there will be instant downloads because all the, all the Lord is trying to do is have a willing participant, a willing vessel that's like, yo, this dude's coming for me. He's like, this dude's like David, a man after my own heart. Like, let's pour out some, let's pour out some revelation to him. That's how you'll know. Are you having fresh revelation? Are you having revelation at all? If you're not having revelation when you read the Bible, are you doing it the right way? Are you doing it for the right reasons? There's freedom in knowing. John 8, 32 tells us, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So we already know. We've already had the playbook for what's to happen. We already know what we need to do to be free. There's freedom in keeping. 1 John 2, 5 says, but whoever keeps his word in him, verily in love, God perfected. That means we have to hold on to the word. That's both physically and spiritually. Like, do you keep forgetting your Bible at church? Are you always the person? That has to go to lost and found. Are you always the person who, oh, bro, let me borrow your Bible? It ain't that serious to you. There's freedom in doing. Numbers 15, 40 that you may remember all my commandments and keep them and keep yourself holy unto your God. It's 4th of July weekend. And so like I would be remiss not to talk about the Declaration of Independence. Like the Declaration of Independence 
is probably the greatest document, emancipation document ever. Other countries have used it to, to, um, to set up their nations. It's copy and pasted all over the world. That's the greatest thing about replication and imitation. It's copy and pasted all over the world. And what it says in the, in the Declaration of Independence, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's the greatest thing ever written. And we all know that. We all know that, like, the Declaration of Independence, we're celebrating it, we're going to, this week. But, like, the only emancipation document that, or anything that's ever come out is the Word of God, is the Bible. Because the Emancipation Proclamation or Emancipation Documents and Independence Day, all of this means is that we're physically free. The Constitution could not make us spiritually free. The Word of God is potent. The word of God is, is forever. The word of God can set a heart in, on fire. It can set a heart on fire. It can set a man on fire. It can set a soul on fire. It can do something the Declaration of Independence can't do. And the last one, point three, is we stay free through adherence. What does adherence mean? Adherence means that we're actually doing what we know we're supposed to be doing. The problems that we face in the United States have nothing to do with us forgetting about the Constitution. It has everything to do with us not adhering to it any longer. We just started to ignore it. We've started to do things that are outside the Constitution with no consequences. But it's the same thing that we do in our spiritual walks. It's the same thing we've all done. It's the same thing we've, we do. I, I know the word of God. At times, I don't adhere to it. At times, I go through seasons in life where I'm like, I know, I'm, listen, I'm an ordained pastor. I, I know better. And I'm still like, uh. Because my flesh says it's cool. My flesh says, yeah, you know that, but he'll forgive you. My flesh says, you know better than that. My, my, my soul says, my spirit says, Jeff, you know better than this. My flesh says, ah, I'm good. The thing that we've lost is we, we have to start practicing our freedom. Like we have to start practicing our spiritual freedom. We have to do what we said we're going to do. We're gonna to have to do what God told us to do. We have to remember. I talked about reading the Bible and reading the Bible for a reason. In the morning when you read the Bible, are you behaving the same way in the evening? Are you implementing what you read in the morning? Or are you, yeah, I did my thing and I'm good. I've been in that season too. I've been in the season, I mean, I can, I can quote scripture. And I've been in a season where like, oh God, things are too hard to God right now. I, I can't, I can't, I don't have time for you. Like I've been there. Like I've been in seasons where I was like, I know better, I should do better, but God, we're we gonna be all right. And some of us are in that place today. Some of us are in that place where we're like, hey, 
I would like a free life. I would like to do more. I would like to be more. I would like to have this better relationship. But we are scared. I was scared. The real reason I got super religious when I got saved and super religious growing up, and like, I, like one of the Bible verses I knew before I even got saved was like, women shouldn't speak in church. And even that was from a bad place. It was because I looked at it from a stance of where my mom and I's broken relationship and said, it's right, she should never be able to talk to me. Ooh, I've never shared that before. Um, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, but that's where that came from. And so our brokenness is where religion finds its home. That's why religious people often have moral failures. It's because we try to hide what's going on. Because what will they say? We try to hide what's going on because we think, we think that God doesn't already know. There's gonna come a day when we have to sit down face to face and like, poof, our life is gonna flash before our eyes and he's gonna say, yeah, I already knew about all this. Why didn't we have a conversation? I have a bent towards being religious. I have a bent towards it because I'm, I'm very, I think very literally, like I think in a line, black and white most of the time. And so I'm like, the Bible says this, this is what it is, this is what it is. And so I have to be careful. I have to guard my heart from crossing the line because when, when I start becoming religious, I start becoming super judgmental. Not giving, anybody the, not giving anybody the chance to like, well, what would I do if I was in their situation? Not knowing. Religion stops us from being able to show mercy. It stops us from being able to show grace. It stops us from being able to be who God has called us to be. And that's the biggest thing. Like with our relationship with Christ, it's all about stepping who God's called us to be. Some people, there's a religious ceiling on you. And it's from brokenness. And so the next, the, the next this altar call, this is gonna be about breaking off the spirit of religion. It's gonna be about breaking off unhealthy thoughts. It's gonna be breaking off like God can't love me because I'm unlovable. It's gonna be breaking off like I'm good enough. Because if it had been 1903 and they said there was a trip to America, I would have been the person that said, yeah, I'm not qualified to go. There's no freedom for me over there. Look at what I've done over here. Look at what I've already done in this country, in this war-torn country. Look what I've done over here. There's no way that there's another nation across the sea that I can have freedom. Because over here, they've told me I'm all these negative things. Over here, they've told me that I'm unqualified. Over here, uh, I know who I am. But if I have to stretch my hand out, it's going to get uncomfortable. And that's why the real, the real truth of it, behind altar calls, the reason why a lot of people don't respond when they want to is it's because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to say, like, I need to hop on a boat across to a different country. In the poem on the Statue of Liberty, it says a golden door. The golden door is a place, it's a portal into breakthrough. It's a portal into freedom. And so this morning, like this is a portal into freedom. Freedom from religion, the spirit of religion, and freedom to operate in every way that God wants you to operate. 
with joy, love, peace, kindness, mercy, all of the gifts of the Spirit. You'll be happier. You'll be less judgmental. And so right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place this morning, and you deal with being religious, you deal with, 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 with feeling like you have to work your way into heaven. You feel like you, ha you don't have a relationship, but you wanna have a relationship. With if that's you, raise your hand. Thank you, I see your hands. I see your hands, I see your hands, thank you. If you're in this place right now and you're like, yeah, I once walked with God, I once, I once had a relationship, but I've fallen away, and you wanna come back, raise your hand. Thank you, I see your hands, I see your hands, thank you. And the last group of people, if you're like, yo, I like what this guy set up here on the stage, I want to know who this Jesus is. I want to know, know the relationship he's talking about. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. And this is the one, thank you, I see your hands going up already. This is the one that scares people the most. Because maybe you've been coming to church for a while. Thank you, I see hands going up all over the place. Thank you. But you've been coming to church for a long time, and you're like, but I, now they're going to know I don't actually have a relationship. Thank you, I see all the hands going up. And here's what I'm gonna do. There's, there's so many people that raise their hands. Uh, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna have you stand up. So everybody open your eyes and stand up. We're gonna do, we're gonna do a corporate prayer. And you guys are gonna repeat after me because we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Because here's the beautiful thing about this. Once the spirit of religion gets broken off your life, your whole life is gonna explode. So here we go. I'm just gonna have you guys repeat after me and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Pastor John come up and lead us through the rest of the message. Would you say, Dear Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you today for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that I could have a relationship with you. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.